Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of NBA Weekly on the Yazcast. I am Yaz, and I am back this week after I took uh, one week off. I was very sick, had no voice. Um, but thank you, Quan, for hopping on the show and uh, stepping in uh, in my spot. I know it's uh, tough shoes to fill, you know, when, you know, we got to fill in for me. That's very tough. Um, Raji, thanks for uh, running the show last week. Um, your, your main guy is back. Don't worry. Um, so I'm excited to be back and to this episode with you. Yeah, it's nice to have you back, bro. Um, yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys will be hearing Quan um, pretty often. I mean, he's he's our boy. He's his basketball knowledge is insane. Um, but it is nice to have the Yaz cast with the man of the hour. Uh, yes, last week only three games, um, and one of them stood out like a sore thumb. Um, I I just want to hear your thoughts about the loss on against Detroit. I know you've been talking about it all week. Uh, tell the people. Wow. You see, last week I thought, you know, good, good. I missed that episode because I missed, you know, that Bucks loss and um, the Suns loss. So I was like, you know what? Good. I missed that episode so I could get a little week to relax because, you know, the Sixers um, stressed me the hell out. Um, and that I, I, I just I don't know what that was. We lost to the worst team in the NBA and to the Detroit Pistons. Uh, which was like a very, very ugly loss. I thought I, thought I was watching the process Sixers from 2013, 2014. I thought I was watching the, the Brett Brown squad, Tony Roten and Jakar Sampson. I thought I was watching them out there than James Harden and Joel Embiid. Uh, that's what I felt like I was watching. I was watching bums on our team playing like bums. Um, straight up. That's what it was. It was a horrible loss. It's unex- inexcusable. Uh, it should never happen, especially I don't care home away. It's the worst team in the NBA. You don't lose to them. I don't care. Even if it was a close win, that's a disappointment to let alone lose to them. I don't even want to talk about it. And then you got post game. Um, you know, one of the highlights of, you know, this game is post game. Doc Rivers came out and was asked about his bench. First of all, his bench was atrocious during that Pistons game and, you know, asked about his bench. And instead of Doc, you know, accepting the blame and being like, yeah, our bench sucked, he he doesn't blame them at all. No blame whatsoever towards the bench and directs his blame to James Harden shooting, which, don't get me wrong, was god awful in that Pistons game. I forget the exact numbers that James Harden shot that game, but they were not good. But when your bench is going out there and scoring eight points against the worst team in the NBA, I think that is the main conversation. We know what Harden's going through right now with his little shooting or whatever the style of game that he's playing right now. But you don't go out there and just discredit the main issue on your team and then bring up another issue which looks bad for the team chemistry, which looks bad on James Harden, and which looks bad on you, Doc Rivers. So I wanted I wanted to mention that interview to you, Raji. What do you think about that post game press conference with Doc? Um, I mean, almost exactly what you do. I think is bullshit. Um, I mean, the crazy part is that the Warriors game, or sorry, the Pistons game to me um, was not solely on Doc Rivers. I mean, he does take some of the blame, but I, I think it was like a, just a monumental team collapse, right? Um, but when you go out there and say something like that, now all of a sudden I'm looking at you, right, as a coach in that 
first of all, you, what, two, three days before that, we're saying, I want James Harden to be more aggressive on offense. And then he starts taking more shots and you say, oh, well, the bench wasn't scoring because James has taken too many shots. That's a bad look. Like, like, bro, you look really, really bad. And we got another report a couple of days later that said uh, that some of the Sixers were starting to get fed up with Doc's coaching style and stuff. So we're kind of starting to see uh, uh, trouble in paradise there with, with Doc Rivers and the coaching and things like that. But I mean, when you look at the game, the bench went, what, three for 12? Um, so not a good game by any means. I mean, I'm, I'm a little dumbfounded by – or sorry, yeah, three for 12. Um, I'm a little dumbfounded by like – just some of the stats I'm seeing. I mean, like uh, Shake Milton played 19 minutes, only took three shots. Um, Quirkmas only played like it's not the bench was not, first of all, out there for that long. Right. Like it's not it's not like any of these bench guys really played extensive minutes. They played little short spurts and we're not taking shots. Um, and blaming that on James Harden is just crazy because. I mean, James Harden did have seven assists, right? Mm -hmm. But either way, I mean, Shake Milton was a minus seven on the box score. DeAndre Jordan, oh man, we'll, we'll get into him in a second. Uh, Danny Green was a minus six. Maxi was a minus eight. He had a bad game. Uh, Harden shot four for 15. And I think the big one, uh, Joel Embiid did have seven turnovers that game. Yeah. Uh, the only person on the Sixers with a positive box score was Matisse Thybul. And the thing, so, you like, know, the thing is, look, you're going to have bad nights. A team is going to have a bad night. You're not going to win a game. But why this is inexcusable against a team like the Pistons is every single player on our squad, I think, is better than every single player on that Pistons squad. You can't all just have a bad night. Yeah, they were, just playing this... without, uh, they were playing without Jeremy Grant, too. You know, you can't just be like, oh, you know what? We're all not going to be playing today. Okay, if one or two players, they all decide to take a night off. Maybe besides Embiid, still put up 37 points. But like you said, seven turnovers. There, that's a flaw. You know, every single player on our team just it, – it was inexcusable. Um, you know, and we the, got the it reason past I us. Really, the reason I really put it on everyone is because, like, it, it was extremely obvious that we were playing down. Mm -hmm. Like, very, very obvious. We were going in there, okay, this is the worst team in the league. We're going to blow them out. And I think that after those two losses we had to Phoenix and, and Milwaukee, we should have had the exact opposite reaction and that we're going to go in here and beat the worst team in the league by 50 and show you guys we're still like on another level. Mm -hmm. And we lost to two of the best teams in the NBA, arguably the best two team, teams in the NBA. Um, but that doesn't mean we're a bad team. And instead, we go out and show people now we're soft. Like those, those two teams, those two losses that we took really kind of broke our confidence. And, and that's what I did not want to see from. from we're just the proving the haters, right. You know, every Sixers yeah. hater out there, we're just proving them right. Um, we're feeding them with more content to talk about. And it's so unfortunate because how can we defend our own team, our own Sixers when they go out and play like shit, the way they played against the Pistons. Um, yeah. But look, I don't want to spend too much time on that game. Like I said, we, we want to flip the page. The playoffs are around the corner, you know, um, but that's just that's what's scary about it. When the playoffs are around the corner and you have a bad loss to the team like a Pistons, um, you know, but well, they came back out, uh, I think, two days later and they uh, was on Sunday, um, Saturday. Oh, Saturday, Saturday. Uh, they had a blowout win to the Hornets early game. 
Um, your boy Tobias Harris uh, lit up the first quarter. I think he had like four threes in the first quarter. Um, had one three the rest of the game, but part of that was a blowout win. Um, you know, so they did respond. They did respond in a good way. Um, it was at home. I don't know what's up with the we Hornets. Put up, we put up 144, which yeah. is crazy. I, I, I honestly, like, we need more of this. Like, this is what I hoping. This is what I was hoping the Detroit game would be because it's nice when your starters can play 30 minutes mm-hmm. because we just came out there. They did what they had to do, made a big enough lead, and then kind of sat down for the rest of the game. And that's kind of what we needed. Uh, I think, especially coming down the stretch, we have four games left. If we're out there still playing and beat 40 minutes on the last game of the season, that's not good. Yep. And no, like you said, um, prior to the Pistons game, how the attitude should be like, you know, we're going to go in and blow them out. I think that was a slap to the face when they lost to the Pistons and they're like, okay, let's get our shit together. Let's go into, let's go, go into home and just beat the Hornets. You know, that's, I think that was the mentality that they should have had going into the Pistons game. Um, all around great game. Like you said, it's always a great thing when the starters only get, you know, the most that they'll play is 30 minutes. Um, like you said, Joel Embiid needs to rest those legs up. Um, playoff time, he might be playing 40 minutes. So that's why Joel Embiid, um, you can't be playing him these last two games more than 30 minutes. I think there should be a minute cap on him. But the problem is there's no backup center, Raji. DeAndre Jordan, I, 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 I just, uh, he sucks. Uh, that's all. that's yeah. plain, plain as a he sucks. I mean, I knew I wasn't. I had low expectations for him when we signed him, but to be honest with you, I didn't think it was going to be this bad. The man doesn't even know how to rebound anymore. I feel like he's out there playing volleyball every time DeAndre Jordan goes up for a rebound. It's just a volleyball slap in the air. That's all it is with him. I don't know, yeah, Roger. I mean, it's like I had hope for him, honestly, because Philly Philly has kind of emerged as uh, the, the place where centers come to rejuvenate their career. Like Dwight uh, left the Lakers who where he was, I mean, won a championship, but he was still kind of people were seeing him as kind of that dead weight center. You know, they, they just need a big body. Came here, played phenomenally behind Embiid, uh, and then went back to L.A., and is now, you know, a pretty important part of their team. Um, same thing with Andre Drummond. He now has a starting job and he's going to leave Brooklyn and get a beautiful contract somewhere else. And I was hoping that the Andre would come here and give us one, like, you know, one last little whatever nitro is left in that tank. Um, and, and it looks really bad. Yeah, He's bad. Who would you, so, you know, come playoff time, I know Doc a few games against the Bucks. I know you and Quan touched on this, like Millsap coming in instead of giving Paul Reed a shot. Or you know, come playoff time, who do we put in when Embiid needs a rest? Do we just not play a big man? Well, you know, here's something interesting. Uh, Rich Huffman actually just just reported today. Uh, Doc Rivers has been saying very good things about Charles Bassey. Mm-hmm. He said you rarely see a rookie five calling out coverages, calling the switch. Um, he's being coached very well. And he gave credit to his assistant coaches. Uh, he said for about a week, they've been in my ear saying he's ready. I'm telling you, he's ready. So hopefully Charles Bassey. But why, why wait to the playoffs to show him? Are you talking? So, uh, you know, this is the time to be giving him the, uh, the opportunity. Uh, I know I saw in his G league game, I think he scored like 28 points in the first half. 
Um, it, like I, I, I have a lot of praise for this young guy. Um, but that's my thing is you don't wait to the playoffs to prove it. You, it's, I mean, you're you, talking about the same coach that played Maxi 15 minutes after saving our life last year against Atlanta. It he makes no sense. Game. Like he, Doc Rivers, and, and this has been very well known since, I mean, since mm-hmm. the Boston days, the Clippers days, Doc Rivers does not like playing rookies. And that's, it is what it is. I mean, Paul Reed hasn't gotten any burn. Uh, Charles Bessie, I don't even think I've seen on the court yet. No. Uh, Isaiah Joe is still like maxing out at five minutes a game. It's like, it's something that that's just stuck in his head. He's like that coach that when you play in middle school rec league, and it's the coach's son, and he plays his son the whole game, and because it's you know the coach's father, but it never gives the other kids a shot. Um, and that's the way I I like to describe Doc Rivers. That's the way I see it. Um, he, look, it sucks that we're gonna have to come down to a second round playoff loss again for us to realize our organization to realize. Okay, you gotta get rid of get rid of Doc Rivers. I mean, hopefully that's not the case. Hope I want us. I still have the eyes on the championship, even though it's a little worrisome right now. But I just have zero confidence in Doc Rivers. And I don't want to talk about him too much because I know last episode, you know, we touched on him a lot. Um, but it's it's just scary. Like, we, you know, because you bring up Charles, a guy like Charles Bassey, you know, play him. Play him now. Last four <laughs> games. It's yeah. the last four games. Give him beat a rest. Play him. Makes no sense. But, you know, we go transition. Um, we played Cleveland last night. That was the Sunday night game. Um, we were down as many as 12 points in the first half. I don't know if it was the first or second quarter. Um, and I hate that we we always play this come from behind type games, uh, even though Cleveland is not a bad team. We were playing in Cleveland, but they're without a lot of key pieces. Jared Allen and um, and Evan Mobley. So, you know, I think I look at that game as a blowout win for the Sixers. Unfortunately, it was closer than we thought, but Joel Embiid went off, had a quiet 44 points, um, nothing in the media to show for it. But, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that Cleveland game, Raji? Yeah, I mean, it, like, he was Embiid had a quiet game in the first half, um, but once he came in in that fourth quarter, oh, man. It, and it was, I mean, it was very ugly. Mm-hmm. in terms of like Cleveland is a playoff team, right? Um, they can ball. They're at home playing in Cleveland is still not easy. Um, I, I didn't really expect it to be an easy game necessarily. I expected to win comfortably. And, and so it was, you know, I didn't like seeing it be close at the end, but my concern was, I mean, up until Embiid came back in the game, we were losing. Mm-hmm. Like when Embiid came back in, we were down too. Um, and that's because of Dwight or sorry, not Dwight. Um, that's because of DeAndre Jordan staggering minus 12 in nine minutes. He came in, played nine minutes while Embiid rested and our lead went down 12 points. And so Embiid, of course, had to come in and clean up. I mean, 44 and 17. Like, <laughs> what can you really say? It's like yeah. Embiid is just absolutely phenomenal. I, I don't know. Um I don't know what's going on with Harden. I mean, four for 13, um, even, even Maxi was four for 11. Like our shooting has looked really, really bad and we're not going to do well in the playoffs playing like this, but it was nice to see that despite a bad game, um, Harris four for 13, Maxi four for 11, mm. Harden four for 13. Um, 
we still somehow got the win. Um, so that made me comfortable um, simply because it, whenever I get depressed about this team, I watch a game and I realize we still have the greatest big man since Shaquille is- O'Neal. Like we right. still have the greatest big man in the league, maybe the greatest player in the league. So um, it boosted my confidence a little bit, but I'm, I'm still not where I want to be <laughs> morale wise when it comes yeah. to this team right now. I mean, um, it's unfortunate. Like, what was it? Two weeks ago, we were number one in the Eastern Conference standings for one day. Um, and I had a lot of, like, hope, high praise. Look, James Harden had a triple-double last night, um, you know, although I had a poor shooting night. Look, with James Harden, take away his shooting, right? Take away his shooting. He's performing everywhere else for us. Playmaking. um, crashing the boards defensively he's not playing that bad um it's just the shooting part of it it's a it's a little weird it's like i'm watching ben simmons uh hate to bring up that name um you know yeah, I, and it's- I, I don't know if it's the spacing you know i don't know if it's c- coaching spacing with the team i don't know if it's like still a little awkward with our little spacing with still tyrese and matisse on the court with Harden on the same time it's also tough when you don't have another pure shooter on the court at the same time as a Harden. Like if you have our starting five out there, who's the second pure shooter? Maxi now, you know, so it's, it's, it, I think that spacing is what's killing Harden's game. If you watch other teams defenses, anytime Harden tries to get his shot open, another defender always crashes and Harden has to pass out. He's not getting open shots, you know? He's, oh yeah. He's had a lot of bad shots, but he's not getting – it's not like he's going out there and missing opening shots. And so that's why it's hard for me to get mad at him. I still love the guy. I still think that he's going to help us win a championship one day. But, it, right, I, I, I think that a lot of his shooting problems, you have to look at other aspects of it. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think he's in a little slump. Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, it, but it happens. Mm-hmm. it's it's not the end of the world uh like you said he's not taking necessarily open shots and on the flip side he's not taking too many bad shots um i mean four for 13 is not good but it's also not a russell westbrook four for 25 right like he's not sitting there taking away shots from other people um in order to get himself hot or whatever he's still an incredible facilitator uh, i think the issue is i mean obviously the sixers don't run plays on offense um, his first few games, Maxi was always open. And, and I think teams are now starting to catch on to the fact that like Maxi can be an elite spot up shooter. Like he's shooting threes over 40% right now. So um, what I, my biggest takeaway from watching the plays happen is that there is a man on Maxi at all times. They're not leaving him open for any shot. Um, and that takes away one of Harden's options. Um, Matisse is, you know, almost to nothing on offense. So that takes away one option. You're already playing four on five. Um, and and it's it's really up to our big three at that point. It's up to Harris, Harden, and, and Embiid. Now, if we could run pick and rolls, if we could run some kind of off-ball action to get uh, Harris open or off the ball or, or get, um, you know, get Tyrese Maxey open on a three-point line, that would be great. But the issue is we don't run basketball plays. Um, we just kind of give it to James Harden and ask him to do something. And I feel like based on what we have, he's doing what he can. Um, but I'm, I mean, 
I'm bringing it right back to Doc Rivers because it's like we really don't. And and it's we have four games left in the season and James Harden played 41 minutes last night and Bede played 38 minutes. Like these are these are guys who are already like Harden's already not at 100 percent. Right. Mm-hmm. And Bede already is vulnerable in terms of being injury prone and has played at an MVP level for the entire season. And we're approaching the playoffs and we still have our starters playing this many minutes. I mean, our bench is bad, but it's not that bad. Like Danny Green came out, gave us a bucket. Uh, Niang came out, gave us a couple. Um, you know, Shake is still only playing 15 minutes. Korkmaz, I, I mean, I understand he's bad, but how do you expect him to get hot when you're giving him five to seven minutes a game? Like it seating doesn't matter right now, right? Why are we still playing these guys 40 minutes? You're going to be top four guaranteed in the playoffs. Top four. I mean, yeah. obviously not the one seed. but And we want to be four. Yeah. I, I don't, we don't want to be two. I'll take three. But, you know, it's either four or three. Um, and it's either playing the Raptors or the Bulls, who I, could think, I think we could easily beat first round. But the thing is, you know, what I want to kind of transition in speaking of playoffs do you think Harden will turn the script come playoff time? You know, I, I, I was having this conversation with one of my buddies the other day, and I really believe that come playoff time, put Harden in a game time situation where the, our game is on the line, the championship's on the line. I think Harden's going to flip the script and just go off. I, and I hope so. I think that is the best case scenario. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think Harden excels in the half court offense, and that's really it, the the flip the script kind of flips itself when it comes to the playoffs, and that the game is just completely different. Uh, you're going to see a lot of half court offensive sets, and I'm hoping I'm hoping that we will be running actual plays and screens and things like that to get people open. Um, and I think that's where Harden will will excel. I I'm just I'm hoping he's not going to come out there and try to draw fouls or drive into a wall of three players. Um, I want to see him as the guy we wanted him to be. Right. Because if we really wanted a player to only pass and drive into the defense, Ben Simmons is better at that than James Harden is. Right. If, if when Ben drives, if there's two people in front of him, he can get through those two people at the rim. Harden just hopes for a foul there. No, we want to see you pass and play the perimeter because that's what gets Joel Embiid open. Because when you drive and there's three players under the basket and you don't get that foul and you miss, Embiid's not there to get it because Embiid's doing exactly what he did when Ben was there, which is go to the outside to create space for you to drive. And so um, I like, I don't know. I, I honestly just genuinely do not know what's going on behind the scenes and can't even take a guess um, in terms of the dynamic between Harden and Doc Rivers or what he's being told to do or why we're not running any sets whatsoever. But I'm hoping that that um, when we do, I think that there's no better guard in the league that's going to run those sets, get himself an open shot and get your players open as well as James Harden can. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I see him playing better. And that's, you know, it's all going to come down if Doc Rivers will finally learn how to coach. Um, and like you said, it's all about spacing. It's all about play calls. Um, you know, the half court offense, doc rivers has to be at his absolute best, better than even when he was with Boston on that championship run, he has to be at his absolute best this postseason because last year it showed how he got out coached by a guy named Nate McMillan, you know, the Hawks coach. 
Um, credit to him. Don't get me wrong, but you know, not, not a big name to get out coached by, um, you know, so it's, that's why I mean, like Harden's play and beads ability, all this is all going to come down to doc rivers. And that's what sucks because we don't have any confidence in our coach. Um, but it's going to come down to him and see if he can actually draw plays up for Harden and Embiid and, you know, and whoever. Yeah. He's, he has to wake up as soon as possible. And it's, I mean, like these past few games, have they not been a wake up call for him? Yeah. But, you let's know. get to, let's get to this next one. Mm-hmm. Um, because I want you to officially just come out and apologize um, huh? to Tobias Harris. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if you've been watching the games, but. Tobias Harris has stepped it up. Um, he's been hot when we need him to. And even though on the box score, you might see, you know, 12 points or whatever it is, he's out there crashing the boards, playing scrappy. Um, you know, just he's, I think he's playing really well. He's playing Philly type of basketball. He's mm-hmm. super scrappy. He's getting buckets, crashing the offensive boards, crashing the defensive boards. Um, I love the way Tobias is playing right now, regardless of, I mean, I think it was against Detroit. He had a bad game. Um, and, and in terms of just sheer shooting numbers, he's not up there, but I, I really like the way he's playing. Um, so I would like you to formally apologize. Uh, I'm not apologizing. I'm not, (laughs) look, I, I'll give him credit. He's been balling out. Not to the extent that uh, we need. I mean, yeah, he's been playing great, but uh, you know, would love to see this consistently now. So that's why I won't apologize until I see this consistently and I hopefully see it in the playoffs. Maybe I'll consider an apology, but I don't have to apologize to nobody. Um, Tobias Harris balled out against Charlotte. I'll give him that 23 points. He had a plus minus of t- plus 28 in that game. Which is crazy. Played really well against uh, against the Bucks too. Played again well against the Bucks, but you know, other games he's been on the plus minus. He's been on the minus in every one of those games, win or loss. Um, he played he played like shit against Cleveland last night. Shot four for fourteen. Raji over five from three after shooting five threes against Charlotte. So that's that's the inconsistency part that pisses me off with Tobias Harris. That's why I don't. He doesn't deserve an apology from me because how are you going to go out and ball out in Charlotte, which I did praise him for live right there. I texted you. I'm like, that's what we need from Tobias Harris. And then he goes out against Cleveland and shoots 0 for 5 from 3. Horrible shooting night. He has has three very, very solid games between Milwaukee, Detroit, and Charlotte. And then comes out against Cleveland and shoots 0 for 5 from 3. And all of a sudden, solid. he's just Two not solid great. Games. Two solid Played well if, against if, Milwaukee, and he played well against Charlotte. You he know? played well against Detroit, too. He was probably our best, our highest percentage shooter against Detroit. Our well, most efficient scorer. Still a minus six on the plus minus. So why, why did we lose then if he's playing well? Well, um, he was minus six because we lost. He shot six for I'm, nine, two for what three I'm, for three. What I'm saying well, is. Only one turnover. It's not enough. Blocks on defense. It's not enough. If you want to win, that's not enough. You got to be playing at your best by the whole team. That's why when I mentioned the Pistons game, it was a team effort. Everyone had a little thing that they did wrong that ended up to that loss. So I have a question. I, I firmly believe, I don't even think it's arguable. I firmly believe in the past five games, Tobias has played marginally better than Tyrese Maxey. Um, I wouldn't say marginally better, but he's, he has been playing a little better. Maxey seems to be a little on a 
slump after you know that's what marginally us- means yes a little better he's he's better than I'm, i don't want to say he's blowing maxi out but just by a margin he's playing better but so why are you not calling out tyrese maxi in his i mean kind of ugly slump because maxi all year has been consistent for us has been there for philly the squad even when everyone's out and it's just maxi he's been balling out for us yeah the past few games it's not been too great, but he's still going out there putting up the scoring numbers that we like to see. It's not. No, he's not. He's no, not. he's not. 19 points Kyrie's against Maxie. Charlotte. He had 18 points against Phoenix. You know, he's not going to go out there and get you 30. Yeah, he played bad against Milwaukee and he played bad against Cleveland. But other than that, he's still putting out the numbers that you like to see. He's not a guy that's going to get you 30 a night. Tobias could be a guy that gets you 30. Not Maxi. Not a guard, not the guard that we have in Maxi. 18 points. Like this is this is why this is what I don't understand. Like, you just don't like this guy. Because if a good game is he's going out, Maxi's going out, giving us 19 points, 18 points. 18 points is Tobias Harris's average. Yeah, that's his average half, scoring number. So like he's giving you that 18, and he's playing much better defense than than Maxi ever has in his career. Like in his last 10 games, he's shooting 50% from the field. I'm not saying that Tobias hasn't been doing well. I'm literally giving him his praise, but I'm just saying, no, this has to I be want consistent. an apology. Yes. No, no, I'm not giving him an apology. No, he has to stay consistent. And I want to see this play in the playoffs. And, and even then he doesn't deserve no damn apology. He's an NBA player making 180, $80 million to shoot a basketball. That's it. Yeah, I'm not yeah. apologizing for anyone that makes that kind it's of. It's fine. You already, you already, uh, you already showed your ass to the to the crowd. They they know a hater when they see one. Let's just talk about the team in general. Yes. Uh, uh, so the top four right now is very fluid. Um, I know you said you like three and four as our standings. I just prefer one or four. Like if we're not getting first place. I would rather have fourth because then you're in the bracket with Miami and not in the bracket with Brooklyn. Uh, of course, this is assuming Brooklyn wins um, the play in and gets the seven seed um, because then they'll be in the, in the same side as the two and three. So it'll be that side of the bracket will be Celtics, Bucks, Raptors, and Nets. And I, I like that. Let them all fight it out there. And then it'll be Miami, Philly, Chicago, and Toronto on our side of the bracket, which is really, really what I would like to see. Uh, so my opinion, it's it's one and four. I know a couple of weeks ago you said seeding doesn't matter and, and you're not really that afraid of Brooklyn, but how important do you think it is? Uh, like, would you rather get the three seed to have the home court advantage um, if we do end up playing, you know, Boston or, well, I guess we wouldn't get it against Boston, but get the home field advantage against someone like a um, Brooklyn or, mm-hmm. or would you rather just kind of take a couple losses and, and stay at the four? It's tough because this play in tournament kind of screws things around where it's like, you don't know what seed these teams are going to be and whatever. Um, you know, Brooklyn might not even have a chance at the seven seed. They might stay at that 10 or nine seed and have to play to even play for the eight seed. I'm get stuck with two play-in games. Um, who even knows if Brooklyn makes the playoffs? You never know. They can have a collapse. Um, unlikely. I think that they will make the playoffs as the eighth seed. And that's when you look at, okay, Miami's probably going to stay number one. 
Now let's look at the Eastern Conference uh, standings a little. There's only two teams that I am scared to face, and we probably will face one or the other. There's only two teams in the entire East that I'm scared to face, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets Uh, for obvious reasons on both sides. Look, Celtics don't scare me. Miami Heat are the biggest pretenders I've seen. They're phonies. Uh, They don't scare me one bit. Um, You know, and that's why you bring up a good point. If we are that four seed, then I hope Miami stays that one seed because I would love to play them second round. But then you get put in, you might play Brooklyn. So it's that's the scary part. Um, but I rather have the route where we play in the four seed and then we play the either the Heat or the Nets second round than the Bucks or Celtics second round. I rather take that scenario. Yeah, I mean the the only team uh, I'm really worried about is the Bucks. I do think we can beat the Nets, but I would very, very much rather not play them. Um, and so I, I'm just praying to the basketball gods that the Bucks and Nets end up on the same side of the bracket. And that way, um, you know, if we have to go through Miami, if we have to go through Boston, we have to go through Chicago, I really don't care. Um, I hope we get Chicago first round, actually. Um, so I'm not, I'm not really worried about any of those. And it would be nice to kind of get into the conference finals and have to play either the Bucks or Nets after they've already scrapped it out. Um, then to, and plus as a basketball fan, that would just be such a fun series to watch. And it would be a blessing to get to watch it in the second round, like we did last year. Um, so I kind of like where we are. I, I hope that it stays this way and that Brooklyn gets the, the uh, seven seed. And then I think, I think that's the ideal scenario for us. So then in that case, we would play Chicago first round, uh, Miami second round. And, and I guess ideally, not ideally, but in, you know, most predictably would be either the Bucks or the Nets uh, in the conference finals. And I think, I think that's our best bet personally. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to make the Eastern conference finals so bad. The amount of second round exits we have is just too, too stressful. Um, I can't handle another second round exit, especially like to the team, like, you know, the Celtics, God forbid. Um, I don't think the Celtics can beat us. They just lost Robert Williams. Um, so who's guarding Joel Embiid? But, you know, enough with the Sixers. Um, you know, we talked about a lot of the Eastern Conference, um, you know, playoffs. Let's talk about the East play in tournament. Right. So right now we have the seven seed Cavs, eight seed Hawks nine seed Hornets and 10 seed Nets besides the Cavs maybe solidifying that seven seed, you know, those other seeds could flip flop, you know, with either the Hornets, Nets or Hawks. Um, do you see the Nets being able to fight up to the eight seed and fight their way to win um, the play in tournament with the seven seed? Um, I do. Yeah. I think, I mean, just looking at, just looking at schedules, um, the Brooklyn Nets next two games or next four games are the Rockets, the Knicks, uh, Cleveland and Indiana. And so I don't really see them unless they shut down KD and Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think either one of those healthy can beat those teams damn near single-handedly. So I see the Brooklyn kind of going on a little bit of a tear and getting up to, they're only one game behind the eighth seed and um, two and a half behind the seventh. So, I mean, unless somehow the Hawks outperform um, the Nets in these next few games, I think that Brooklyn ends up working their way up to the eighth seed 
And I think that they end up playing um, Cleveland for the play in, in the play in for that seven mm-hmm. seed. And I see them winning and getting the seven seed. Um, the Hawks do have to play Miami in a couple of days. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see like, I don't see Charlotte really winning anything. And Atlanta right now is on fire. They've won five straight. So I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Brooklyn and Atlanta be the two teams that grab the seven and eight seed and have um, Cleveland and Charlotte kind of drop off. Poor Cleveland. They had such a great year and then injuries just hit them at the worst timing. Um, I really think it depends on if Cleveland could get Mobley and Jared Allen back. Um, if they could get both of those go, go those both of those guys back in time for the playing tournament, then I think Cleveland has a good shot. Um, the Nets are not guaranteed a playoff spot. They are not. Absolutely That's what not. I'm saying. This all, play all they tournament, need is one loss. Exactly. All they need is one bad game where both stars don't come out and show up. It's already confirmed. Ben Simmons is not going to play in the playing tournament. Not like he contributes anyway. Um, you know, so it's not guaranteed. It really is not. And it's, I think that um, it really depends on what seed is what, you know, for that playing tournament. Yeah, I think I think if they so if they don't kind of cover this one game. So right now, Atlanta is 41 and 37. They've won five straight. Um, The Nets have lost two straight. They're five and five in their last 10. Um, They both have easy schedules coming down the stretch, except for Atlanta um, playing Miami one game. Mm -hmm. And so if if you know, the play-in seed kind of has its two levels. So if you're seven and eight, you only play one game. If you win that, then you're automatically in. Uh, well, as if you're nine to 10, you have to win those two games straight or else you're out of the playoffs. Um, seven and eight, you have to lose two games straight. So I think, I think it all comes down to that fight for, for the eighth seed. Um, and I think, I think Brooklyn can take it. Mm-hmm. I think they can take it. But yeah, it's unfortunate, so- but. It's going, to be a, it's going to be an exciting play-in to watch. Um, you know, moving along to the MVP race, um, you know, obviously Joel Embiid is both of our picks. It's all of Philadelphia's pick to win the MVP. I think that Joel Embiid still deserves to win MVP. But unfortunately, I'm getting a lot of buzz about Jokic. And it look it's looking like Jokic might be – winning the MVP over Joel Embiid, which is very unfortunate to see. I'm even seeing some things that Giannis might be surpassing Joel Embiid on the MVP race, which to me, Giannis has been balling, but no, it's still between Jokic and Embiid in my eyes. Um, so what do you think? Is Jokic guaranteed the MVP at this point? I don't know how. And it's, it's, really, uh, it's really upsetting, honestly. And, and it, it pisses me off because I like I'm seeing these straw polls come out, which are extremely um, telling. I forget who the uh, who the exact Brian, is. That Brian Win- Winhurst or something, I think. Uh, no, it's not Winhurst. It's um, someone it's someone in the in like one of the big media guys. And basically what he does is he actually gets the names of the people who voted last year because most of them will end up having a vote again. Um, and he asked them, who, who are you going to vote for? And as of right now, Jokic is, is leading by a very wide margin. And I, for the life of me, cannot understand this. Yes. I mean, first of all, just as a disclaimer, Joker is one of my favorite players in the league. 
he's one of my favorite players of all time, just for his play style. You know, I love passing players. I love the court vision. I love the fact that he's a big man and can do this is unbelievable to me, but his defense is not good. It's gotten better, but it's not good. Right. Scoring wise, he doesn't score as well as Joel Embiid. Sure. He passes, doesn't score as well. Doesn't rebound as well. Doesn't defend as well. Uh, his team is not better than our team. Um, he was not carrying a B team into a playoff uh, berth before we got James Harden, right? Like, the, I mean, Maxi was was good. Tobias was good, but like, they're not as good as as Denver is. And and like, I don't know. It, I mean, is it recency bias? Is it because he he's just started snapping? Like, he's playing really well right now. But if you just look at it, I mean, on both sides of the ball playing with the worst team, um, um, just showing up when it really matters, like Embiid is there. I mean, I understand it hurts him. Like the, the Bucks loss really, really hurt Embiid, um, losing that that kind of showdown with Giannis. And I think what really is hurting Embiid is that even though he's played well, like when we played Denver, he outplayed Joker, right? But we lost those games. We've lost a lot of games against big teams. But if you're just talking about an MVP how how is is Jokic better than Embiid? We have a better record. Like he's he's better on both ends of the ball. He's actually carrying this team, but he's not getting the triple doubles. I guess he's not getting the assists. I like I don't understand it. I think Joel Embiid deserves MVP. Um, even though I think Jokic is a phenomenal player, and you can give Giannis Defensive Player of the Year, whatever it is. But I mean, the Bucks were MIA for the first half of the season until All Star break. Um, which seems to be a pattern that happened last year and the year before. So I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, you bring up a good point. It's tough. Obviously, my pick is Joel Embiid. Um, look, the way the MVP format, voting format, is l- laid out, it's pretty weird, right? Jokic could have more first-place votes than Embiid, but Embiid could still win this award. So that's why I have a lot of hope, even though, you know, there is this straws thing and a lot of people are saying, ah, my pick is Jokic. Obviously, if he's getting all the first place votes, he might win it. But, you know, if it's very close and, you know, Embiid and Jokic are kind of back and forth with those first place votes, then it's going to come out to the second and third place votes. And that's why Giannis has a major impact right now on this MVP discussion. Because yeah, he I think he's going to hurt Embiid more than he's going to help him. Exactly. Me too. It, and that's why I'm saying. People, yeah, a lot, a lot of those second, not a lot, but some of those second place votes might get split. And and yeah, I mean, I, I honestly just do not get it. Like the guy's in a small market, so it's not like he's in L.A. where it's, where it's mm-hmm. you know, everyone's voting for him because they had that exposure and stuff. Like you guys are really watching these two players and telling me that Jokic has been more valuable to his team than Embiid has. Like it, it just, I don't know. (laughs) It gets me angry. And, and I'm just hoping, I think that, I think that Embiid understands and he's going to be snapping. I mean, last, last night he got 44. Um, I think he's just going to like destroy Indy and, and play really well down the stretch and hope that he gets it. And, and I'm hoping so too. My only problem is it might be a little too late just because, the way these people, um, you know, look at, like, you know, the, the way they vote on this award, they're going to look at games uh, and be played, like, big games, like his loss against the Bucks recently, um, his loss against Jokic, um, which he played outstanding, don't get me wrong, 
Um, so they're going to look at a lot of key games for Embiid. But the thing is, look at his biggest games. It, you know, going back to Cleveland, when we played against Cleveland this year at home, he had a 50-point triple-double in 27 minutes. And I yeah. think I, I heard it from one media outlet. That's an MVP in my eyes. It's unfortunate that this has to be one of the closest MVP races in NBA history because I think any other year, Embiid would have this in the bag. And it just yeah. sucks. I mean, shout out to Joker because he's phenomenal. He's, yeah. like, really the only person that could give Embiid this type of run. And I think it's it's tough because they are both big men and they're both very different from each other. They play differently. They They give value to their team in completely different ways, and they're so hard to compare. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to come down to the last game of the season. So we'll see, um, you know, and being is our MVP, but, you know, moving on, um, Raji, I want to ask you, who's your favorite to come out of the West? I know we've been talking so much about the East, you know, because of our Sixers and, you know, the seating with the top four, but we don't give much love to the Western Conference. So that's why I want to ask, who is your favorite to come out of the West and win the Western Conference Finals? I've said it once. I've said it twice. I'll say it again. Phoenix is the best team in this league. Um, They're my favorites. As long as they stay healthy, they're my favorites to come out of the West. They're my favorites to win the championship. Um, I think that last year, if Chris Paul was healthy, they would have won the championship. And, and I actually just talked to Adam about this yesterday. Shout out to Adam. Uh, He sees Milwaukee as the best team in the league, but I genuinely think Phoenix is so good. And they have so much depth. And now they have backups at the center position. They have the big men. They have the shooters. They have mini Kobe. They have the point guard. I mean, they're like, yeah, I, I would be hard-pressed to find a team in the West that can really beat uh, Phoenix. I mean, I know the Warriors are going to be really nasty coming out um, in the playoffs, especially if Steph Curry comes back. But – I, I don't see anyone beating Phoenix. See, my pick, and you mentioned it, has to do with Steph Curry. If Steph Curry is back and healthy in the playoffs, then I don't. I think Golden State's coming out of the West. Um, I still don't see them beating Phoenix. I do with a healthy Curry, with a healthy Draymond, and a healthy Clay Thompson. I think Golden State is winning. That is a lot to ask for, and I don't think they might be healthy enough to beat Phoenix. Phoenix is an outstanding team. And like you said, best team in the NBA, I think, yeah, maybe. I don't know who else we could put up there. Um, Phoenix, best record all year. I think that, like, no one even touched them in the standings. Um, But Golden State can make a run for their money. Like I said, all relies on Steph Curry. So if Curry comes back healthy, my pick is the Warriors. Okay, fair enough. I think Um, the West playoff race is just – I mean, I'm like looking at, at both lineups and man, this is going to be a fun year in the playoffs. I mean, the first round in the East is going to be boring probably, but the, I mean, just in the first round in the West, you'll most likely see the Suns run into, I mean, maybe the Lakers um, or the Clippers who are both pretty solid teams, but then you have, I mean, Grizzlies, Timberwolves is a good matchup. Mm-hmm. Warriors jazz is a good matchup. Mavericks nuggets is going to be a beautiful, beautiful series of basketball especially if and the rumor is jamal murray will come back uh for the playoffs so it's that whole side of the the, of the bracket that whole side of the league is going to be incredible to watch 
Yeah, that's um, why the and West I mean, is the best. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a really good matchup first round. Um, if we get, you know, Nets and Celtics or Nets and Heat or wherever Brooklyn shows up. But the West is going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. I agree. Uh, you look with the West, you know, there's a team out there in Memphis, Tennessee, that is playing all year. Just some beautiful basketball under the radar. Um, just unbelievable. right? Unbelievable. Now. They've won seven straight. The Memphis Grizzlies, man, you got to consider them. You got to consider them as a contender. I love this squad. And, Raji, a lot of these wins these past seven games are without John Morant against good teams, against good the best teams in the NBA. It just shows how deep the squad is and how they want to – they're going to come out and prove a message. They are. They're not, they're not going to take it lightly. They're going to come out and be like, we're legit, guys, to the league. Are they going to win the chip? Are they even going to make it to the Western Conference Finals? Probably not. Unfortunately not. But I want to see what you think. Do you think they are a true contender? Uh, no. I think I think the West – I mean, don't get me wrong. John Morant is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, they have a deep team. I mean, they've won seven straight. They've won nine of their last ten. Um, they, they still have the Jazz and Nuggets and Celtics down this last stretch all this week. Um, so it's going to be fun just watching those games. And it's, it's really been like, if I really had to pick a team that was the most fun team to watch in the NBA, uh, it might be the Grizzlies. Mm -hmm. They, they're, they're just a very fun, uh, young, exciting team. But I think that they're too young, too raw, um, to really be a contender. I think that they are one of the teams that kind of suffers from Utah jazz syndrome or Atlanta Hawks syndrome from whatever year that was. Um, they are one of the best good teams that we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And that's all it is. It's there's great teams and there's good teams um, like Utah, for example, last year, number one seed played incredible basketball, very fun to watch when it came down to it, they couldn't do it. Sixers, um, Sixers as well. One seed last yeah. year, you know, had, all the hype in the world and they couldn't do it. They lost to the Atlanta yeah. Hawks and team. I think, I think the Grizzlies are, are one of those teams, unfortunately, because I'd love to see them do well. And don't get me wrong. I will be cheering for them. Yeah. I just, I don't know if they have what it takes yet to really be, especially in the West to really be a powerhouse. I mean, My Minnesota thing. will probably be an easy matchup, but then they get, they get the Warriors in the second round. And like, I don't think anyone is picking them over the Warriors. I wouldn't take them over Dallas. I wouldn't take them over Denver. I would definitely wouldn't take them over Phoenix um, in a seven-game matchup. So I would easily take them over Dallas, but that's not the case. Look, with the Memphis Grizzlies, even if they lose first round, they should have their heads head heads head out held up high um, because the future is so bright for them. They that team's got so potential. They're so young. Every single player on that team is so young, besides like Stephen Adams. Um, so, um, you know, I think that, you know, I think the Grizzlies have a good shot, but, you know, yeah. not their year. I think so, too. All right. So let's let's wrap this up a little bit. Um, so coming up this week, uh, the Sixers have you guys probably will not hear from us until the end of the regular season. Uh, so this week we have. Indy on Tuesday, uh, Toronto on Thursday, Indy again on Saturday, and then Detroit again on Sunday. 
And then we'll be here early next week to, to talk about the playoff matchups when they, when they solidify after Sunday. Um, yes, four easy games, um, but four games where we probably won't see him beaten Harden very extensively. Uh, how do you see us doing this week? Uh, it's obviously I want to say, yeah, four and no, oh, all easy games. Um, obviously we're going to sit and beat him hard in maybe those last two games, to be honest. Um, I think they'll play normal minutes, um, tomorrow night. I don't know against Toronto. They may play normal minutes against Toronto, but I think you come home two games against two non-playoff teams. Um, give the starters rest, please. I don't care if we win or lose those two games. Just give the starters rest. Hopefully our bench gains some momentum going into the playoffs. Um, so I say, uh, I say we go three and one. I say we'll have one bad loss to one of those teams, but I won't yeah. give us four and no. It's unpredictable. Uh, but most importantly, oh, my guess is three and one as well. Um, most importantly, we are getting ready. Um, me and Yaz will be studying this week. If you see us out and about, um, we're going to be reading books, getting ready. Um, starting next week, you guys will get the playoff edition of NBA Weekly. Um, next episode, we'll be going over playoff matchups. We'll be doing predictions. Um, we'll be getting extensive. The episodes might get a little longer. Uh, we're going to have some great, great, great conversation. Uh, if you are a Sixers fan, just know that the Sixers talk might be a little shortened because we have a lot of playoff matchups to get to. Very true. Um, and I am excited. Yes, are you excited? Oh, I'm pumped up, Raji. Look, this is the reason for the Yazcast to talk about what we love. We love the NBA. I think the NBA playoffs is one of the greatest sporting uh, times, events, whatever you want to call it, um, in all of sports. So obviously we're hyped. We're excited. I can't wait to talk about what I love. Join our Facebook group. Um, get in there and and let's start talking about it. We want uh, we want a lot of interactions. If you have any questions, any topics you'd like us to discuss, whatever it may be, uh, try to get them in for this week, for next week, so that we can talk about them on the podcast. Because once these playoffs start, man, we're going to be busy. And, DMs are and- always open. DMs are always open. Follow our Instagram at the Yazcast. Um, DM us. If you have any questions, anything that you want to hear, anything that you don't think you hear enough of, Just shoot us a question. Yep. Finally, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.